Welcome to Absolute Comics, right here at the Comic Story and Twitch channel. This is the show that Sal and I stream live every Tuesday at about 5 p.m. Eastern. We sit here and we talk about all the topical stuff going on in the comic book world, the comic books that we read this week. What is happening in the world of comics, Sal? That's Quite what we talk about right here. Huh? Yeah. Quite a bit. This is, yeah. is going to be a jam-packed episode. Uh, you can join us every Tuesday right here at 5 p.m. Eastern at the twitch.tv slash comicstorian channel. You can also find it uploaded to the Comic Story and Podcast Network channel, which is what we have renamed the Weekly Poll channel. And when I get the appropriate artwork, we'll be good. Uh <laughs> yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it just looks like the Weekly Poll channel. But don't... don't. Right. We're fixing that. that. We're fixing that. If exactly. you like this show and you want to support it, then please consider going to either one of our Patreons, patreon.com slash comicpop or patreon.com slash comicstorian, where you do get this early access compared to when you get it up on the YouTube. And I almost knocked a bottle of water over over there. <laughs> <laughs> like, hit it with my hand. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. The lights. <laughs> yeah. We're both on the East Coast, so we gesticulate a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> all right no so uh we don't have a lot of time to waste uh sal let's go ahead and kick off with the first of our topics uh you told me not to make it the kevin feige rules the marvel kingdom now you said no, we should make that leave. last are you kidding me we gotta wait you gotta let it okay lay. yeah all right so today's topics are going to be we're eventually going to get to the kevin feige thing but sal's all worried that you're all gonna leave us uh <laughs> i'm not wrong stick around uh, gonna, there are a lot of fun stuff we're going to talk about Zoe Kravitz getting cast as Catwoman. We're going to talk about the House of X situation, the Gwenpool situation, the Joker comic, and the Doctor Doom comic. We are going to talk about comic sales in Russia increased after their cultural minister, Vladimir, called the readers pathetic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, we're going to talk about the concepts of what Fortnite did, not because either of us actually play Fortnite, but what they did. It warrants a discussion of what if this were to apply to other things like Marvel and DC. Um, we got talks about Venom Director. We got talks from Ryan Reynolds. We got discussion. Yeah, that's pretty much all of them. But since the topics are going to be so jam-packed today, if we don't hit all of those, I apologize. Maybe we'll film some more bonus episodes so you get, get more stuff over here. I love uh, that. Yeah. So let's start it off at the beginning. Joker, yes. year, of the, year of the Villain Issue. Yeah, okay. that's that's the John Carpenter book, right? Yes, I believe okay. so. Uh, yeah. I didn't. I, I opened it up to read before the show. It's one of the ones I hadn't read yet. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't get a time to read it. But the, the topic is not so much about that Joker book, but it's the fact that we have a Joker book and we have a Doctor Doom book. Yeah. Are we going in the direction of villains getting books and it being a villain book, not Deadpool style, where he's a villain who now is a good guy? You know, like yeah. What do you think? I, I think that. Um, We've seen that before, like 25 years ago, Sabretooth had a miniseries. Um, and so I would not be surprised, Mystique has had a book a couple times. I would not be surprised if there was an emphasis on villain books because they're compelling characters and they have their own stories to tell and everyone is the hero of their own story, so it makes sense to make it about the villain. Plus, you, you can't go wrong with Joker having his own book. He actually did have an old book, like, back in, like, I think the 70s, there was a Joker comic. Like an ongoing? Because anyone is wondering, the year of the villain issue of Joker is a single story, 30 pages long. It's right, intended and, for the, and, the current event. I guarantee has nothing to do with Year of the Villain. It's more about John Carpenter saying, I'd love to write a, a Joker book, please. And they're like, yes, uh, We conveniently have a movie coming out that we'd like to get some co content tied into. Right, and it has <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with that movie. Like, it's, it's actually kind of amazing mesh because you got this movie that's nothing like the comics. You've got this comic that is nothing like the comics or the movies. And you got John right. Carpenter, who probably hasn't seen the movie or read the comics. So it's this amazing <laughs> mess of Joker. Uh, so you're actually getting a great diversity of character. 
Um, but I, I think that uh, not only is it a great stunt, but it's also a great idea. And I think sales-wise, it makes sense. Plus, I mean, like, you couldn't go wrong. I mean, you got the Joker book at DC. You got the Doctor Doom book, as you mentioned, at Marvel. Yes. Um, and that, were, now that is a limited, right? Doctor Doom is a limited. I don't know. I feel I like bl- every I feel like every book is a, is an ongoing until it isn't. You know what I mean? Well, that's like, kind of what is at Marvel. Doom sells like, great. They're just they're not going to stop printing that. No, book. they are. And what I like what I like about Marvel's attitude towards it, like they they they've already done a Doom book. What was it? Superior Iron Man? No. What was the one he just did, where he was Iron Man? I'm sorry. <laughs> the Doom book where he was Iron Man. Wait, Doom was Iron Man? Oh, yeah, infamous Iron Man. That, yeah, that was... <laughs> Go yeah. ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that, like, uh, because they were working on a Doctor Doom movie, it makes sense they would want to make a Doctor Doom comic because clearly they think that there's money enough for a movie. Like, and Doom is also a great character to feature in a comic book anyway. The book itself is pretty good. I've, I've read the Doom book, and it's, it's fair. You know, like, the concept's great. The execution is pretty good. So Right. That's all I, you need. I mean... What I want to see with these villain books is I like the idea of a single or a four-issue limited series. Yes. We get, to, we get to dive into some more complex characters. We get to have fun with it. The problem with an ongoing is you take a complex character and they become less complex as you have to make up things that make, it, make them make sense. Right. Superman's a compelling character until he has to make 80 issues work. Well, then that's we true. have th- then we have weird things like, oh, this is a kryptonite crowbar. <laughs> You're going to be super Red Hood. You know, like... <laughs> right. I, 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 that's... That's an idea. Um, no, no, I, but, but I throw that idea out there to sound stupid. That was right. the point, you know, like... <laughs> no, no, I hear you. Um, I can see I, some people being like, someone make that now. So <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> On the flip side, the, the other problem you have, if you like have a Doctor Doom book or a Joker book or a Riddler book or whatever book about a villain is that the, the longer it goes on, the more sympathetic that villain becomes so that when you want to use that villain as a villain, then it becomes like, oh, well, you've got like your entire audience is split over, oh no, Batman shouldn't punch the Riddler. I literally just watched him save his niece like in a last yeah. arc. Like, no. You can't. Didn't they do that with Deadshot almost? Deadshot yeah. came out because of the movie and they were trying to make you all care about Deadshot. Like, Deadshot's daughter and he's just doing it for his daughter. He's really not a bad guy. He's really not a villain. And then right. the, like another writer comes in and is like, no, Deadshot shoots people. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't yeah. even notice, but like he's, ex- <laughs> he's used as an assassin. We're not supposed to sympathize. <laughs> but yeah. So I, I think it's a great idea. I think it, I, I don't know if it's a trend. I feel like it's just kind of like an, uh, a crime of opportunity. But if it were a trend, I wouldn't be the first person to say like, "Oh, that sucks." Like I'm 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 down. I think that's fine. Right. As long as it's not like it doesn't get rampant. Like I don't want to see like an Arkham series where it's just like everyone gets a book. Also, <laughs> the limited thing is a better idea. Keep it limited. Keep it simple. Yeah. You know, show us like a Doc Ock book, four issues, you know, because there's four arms for her. But I think that's that's the way to go. Each issue is an arm and it's a cover, which his yeah. arms are spread out and like. <laughs> yeah. Make it five issues so like the last issue is his body and then you can put them all together. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, speaking of that, Superior Spider Man's going on right now and that's had some crazy arc. And I hate to say it, but I feel like it's ending. Like. Oh, definitely. No, I, I don't. I, I, yeah. I don't even track anymore when Marvel's canceling books. The moment they go over 10 issues, I'm like, oh, well, we could probably got like between two to five left at this point. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I hate to say it, but that's kind of what happens. And like Doc Ock is Doc Ock again. Like this whole book yeah. seems to have been going through like you finally completed your hero's journey. Now you're evil. You know, right. like. <laughs> Which drives me crazy because I feel like not only have we seen pretty much every Doc Ock story we're ever going to see and we haven't really quite tapped the entire superior Spider-Man concept, 
you could really keep it going. I mean, fie on Marvel for not doing that the first time. That first Superior Spider-Man book, not only was it great and it looked awesome, but because of its longevity, it made readers flip on Peter Parker. So by the yeah. end of it, there was an audience that was like, keep this book going, and they didn't. And then they brought it back yeah. too little too late. I feel they like brought they brought it back just... in a poor way. Like it was, it yeah. should, the, the whole clone body thing should have spun out of that. Yeah. We should have shut down Scarlet Spider at that point and, and Superior Spider-Man became our badass Spider-Man willing to kill. And then, but like he's on that moral high ground all the time. So yeah. that should have been where it went. And I agree. I liked that original Superior Spider-Man thing. I remember when 700 happened and I was like, oh my God, they're killing Peter Parker to make it. What, what is Dan Slott doing? But yeah. I'm like everyone who sent him death threats. I was like, well, let's see what happens next issue. Oh, he's a ghost. Problem solved. <laughs> exactly. No. And by, by the way, like I think Slott was the best writer for superior spider-man like i think he gets ock i think he'd do a great job like just keep yeah. him doing it i think the book well, I mean, he basically made parker industries what doc ock made like, oh you want me to bring back peter parker fine but he's basically doc ock now like <laughs> right he's he's going in that direction he took over doc ock's whole life that he built yeah so i mean i i like the villain books i like superior spider-man i'm a huge fan of deadpool and deadpool comes across middle ground all the time definitely I mean, he comes across more heroic recently, but he has been a villain across the board. I like Deathstroke, things like that. I, I can see these books working. Yeah. I, I hope it's not just a flash in the pan trend. I know we've gotten these kinds of books before, but I would like to see them on a more regular basis. Not yeah. make it special when they finally come out, but like, oh, you're the villain proves that we kind of want to read these one-off, really compelling storylines. Not, I don't want 30 issues of Joker. No. I want an issue of Joker, you know? Right, yeah. I'd, I'd take maybe like a three to six issue mini of Joker if they had a really solid take. You know, Well, I mean, he, remember Brian Azzarello's original Joker book? Exactly. That was beautiful. Yeah, and that, yeah. that in and of itself was a great graphic novel and it could have been split up into multiple issues. There is, a, that, there is precedent there for you to yeah. do that and for it to work well. So I think it's, yeah, I'm down. Uh, moving on to our next game, uh, game comic. Sorry, I do too many podcasts. I'm mixing everything up. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 31 gave us the re reveal that Kindred may be Harry Osborn. Right. Uh, which I believe you would already very heavily, because I didn't catch the hints before, but you were like, that's already being implied. Oh, yeah. We were leaning more and more in that direction. Yeah, I was definitely on the camp that said, like, I think this is Harry Osborn. I know that he's alive and everything. I think this is either his soul or the real Harry Osborn. Because I noticed that Spencer has been trying to kind of put the genie back in the bottle for a number of stories that he clearly has reverence for that are incidentally also written by J.M.D. Mateus. Like, he... He undid the undoing of Craven's Last Hunt in yep. the last Craven arc. And that's I don't think it was a terrible way to bring back Craven. I don't think it was a good way to bring back Craven. I, I agree. I, I understand that there's like a need for Craven, but I also think that it kind of like, I, when I read it, and I read it after the fact, I was like, oh, I don't like that idea. And then I read it later on, and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I do. I'm glad I didn't buy this at full price. Right. Uh, the Hunted was a decent way of doing it. I was like, this is pretty cool. Like, I get right. it. I mean, if you read the whole arc, it's 25 issues of putting Peter Parker back in a more traditional spot. Right. And, then, and then immediately once that's wrapped up, uh, Nick Spencer rolls into like correcting some weird lore issues of Spider-Man. Because exactly. what people don't realize is a character that's been around for 60 years, none of his lore truly lines up anymore. Like it, it all falls out of sync and it's weird. And well, wasn't he with Mary Jane? Oh, the devil fixed that. Like, I mean, like. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, well, and I think that Spencer is more or less like a janitor at this point, like a really, really talented janitor who has, oh, like, yeah. you know, who, who has like job security and health benefits, but like a janitor nonetheless who's like, 
I gotta clean up a lot of sh- a lot of mess messes here. And well, like what did he do with J. Jonah Jameson, where he gave him, he brought him back, and he's like, I, I could just see him getting the notes, the notes from, I believe that the book that was running at the, I forget the name of the book. It was a ten issue series where he revealed his identity to J. Jonah Jameson, and I get to see him getting the notes and being like, what? I'm yeah. trying to fix this. <laughs> right, exactly. No, I, I, I think he's doing a good job though, and I, and I, I'm, yeah, and I think the death of Harry Osborne is one of those stories that is so timeless and so excellently like crafted that it's like it needs to be preserved. Um, and if you gotta like mess it up, don't mess it up with like a hand wavy one more day explanation. Like do it with like do it with with gravitas and nonsense, like souls escaping from hell and centipede monsters and stuff. Like at the very least, tell a story. Don't just be like, oh, and he's back because I remember that because that's what happened. Well, I mean that that's what they're kind of implying. If, unless I've missed yeah. something with Kindred, that because Mysterio is like he talks to my brain and like like Kindred is not just. Harry Osborn in a messed up clone. You know, no, like, <laughs> yeah, he is. Like, he's not just like got neat, modified goblin gadgetry. He is like he's got some, a centipede. He sends out and puts in people's brains. Yeah, no, he he is an otherworldly creature. The kindred is, and so the theory is it's Harry Osborn. My theory is it's Harry Osborn's soul, like out of hell, like after Mephisto gets dethroned during Damnation. Uh, yeah, it was I, damn, I, I actually just recorded the chapter where Johnny literally just walks in and is like, I'm king now. Right. Like, <laughs> and it, it, it really upseated a lot of stuff. And I think that because Spencer helped write Damnation, he was like doing it as a way of being like, let me explain how we can undo a couple of Mephistoisms throughout yeah. the books that I'm going to do one day. So yeah, I, I, I hope it's Harry. I hope they're not going to like go. I, I hope it's not a Trojan like horse where it's like, you think it's going to be Harry, but then. It's actually Gwen. And you're like, no. <laughs> well, if they're going to bring back anybody and not just... the First off, I would prefer Kindred to be someone somewhat new. I feel like we're almost going to run into the problem with Requiem. Where Requiem was so cool, and they're like, oh, it's Gamora. And you're just like, right. thanks. Oh, first I, issue. She's yeah. like, ah. I'm like, why even bother with a name? Right, why even call her Requiem and give her a suit and everything? Why didn't, why didn't just Gamora land and be like, I got the stones? <laughs> yeah, that's what they should have done. I mean, like, yeah. the, I have problems with that entire story, but Requiem <laughs> was the first indication I was going to be like, oh, no. Like, we created this new character. Oh, crap. Oh, it's just Gamora within the first two pages of her arrival. Lame. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. With the Kindred, though, if, it, if it's going to be anybody from the past, I'd like it to be Harry. You know, don't make it another Gwen. We have enough Gwens now. <laughs> That's true. We have enough Gwens, and we never really did anything with Harry after we brought him back that was of any substance. Yeah. Everything that was done was kind of weird, gross, or dumb. So yeah. why not do this? It, it, what I find funny about the Gwen thing, just to go a little tangenty on that yeah. whole thing, it's like Gwen will never come back unless she's a clone. Oh, loophole. Alternate reality versions. Multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> Variant cover versions. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> it was like when everyone's like, well, they never bring back Uncle Ben. I'm like, if you read Spider-Verse, he's a Spider-Man in multiple spots. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's, he's technically a chubby back. Spider-Man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. He's technically back. There's no one in comics that has stayed perpetually dead. For, I think the longest has been like 30 years. And that was like, yeah, Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben has to be the longest now, now that he's he's kind of back. Right? You know? I, yeah. Even Martha Wayne was a was a joker in the Flashpoint universe. Yeah. If you start allowing the multiversal versions that are being featured in main books, like right. I'm fine if it's Elseworlds. I won't count Elseworlds or what if. Right. But when they're but, getting featured, like even with the, the Joker Martha Wayne, technically, because Thomas is in the Tom King run, exactly. she's no, now Thomas, in main continuity. 
Yeah, no, Thomas Wayne is back. You you can't say <laughs> the Waynes because Thomas Wayne is a character. Like, yeah. He, <laughs> in the universe, it's, this is not a dark multiverse thing. This is a, he's in this universe, that's the end of it. So yeah, I completely, yeah. So no, I, I just I just find it so funny. Like, there's literally no one that is allowed to stay dead. I think at this nope, point. Like, nope. Everything's fair game. It's all Jor El. Jor El was brought back. <laughs> I guarantee. I mean, like the uh, yeah. No, all of Krypton will be back one day. I, I, it, it seemed like they've always brought back various members of Krypton. You know, he's the last set of Krypton until he's not. Uh, right. Yeah, no. <laughs> but exactly. they they always stayed away from Jor El and his mother. Who? What's her, of name, her name? What's what's the Clark's mother's real mother's name? Oh, uh, Lara. Lara. Okay, but they always stayed away from his real parents. They were always the only two that never came back. Jor-El came back. Uncle Ben's a Spider-Man, and t- there's two of them I can think of. He's a full-blown Spider-Man in one universe that he failed, and then he's like a version of Spider-Man where the the ki- like Peter Parker is like fought like ten or something. So it's like Big Ben and Petey or something like that in one of the <laughs> worlds. Like, <laughs> I can't keep track of it, man. I just try to stay in one universe at a time. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, all right. Uh, rolling over to our next discussion. Uh, manga is being made more mainstream thanks to Marvel. Now, people are going to take that out of context. I love they manga. Really I do are. read it. But well, manga and it outsells is not, Western comics. <laughs> yeah, no, manga, manga outsells Western comics. Manga is a big thing, but I wouldn't consider manga a mainstream property. It, you can find it in like Barnes and Noble, you know, or, or Books a Million or whatever you want to go to. Whatever bookstore still exists, it. yeah. Right, you can still find it. But when it comes to niche markets, as much as it outsells traditional comics, from what I, I, for the record, I don't have those sales reports, but Sal saying it's not the first time I've heard I, that. I, I believe that like in, uh, globally speaking, manga does outsell yeah. Western comics. Okay, and, and I believe you're probably right if you count every country for manga sales. And you right. can find it in a lot of traditional stores, but you'll still find more comic books than you will find manga. Like you can't exactly. go to your general newsstand and find manga traditionally. I'm not saying, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to discount manga. I think it's made crazy <laughs> strides in the previous couple of years, okay? Big time. But Marvel's making an attempt to kind of bring it more mainstream, and I love these books, but like White Fox, Arrow, Swordmaster, those are the three that I'm reading. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can't think of the others. I can't think of the others. What, do you know who they are? I don't, but uh, I know what you're talking about, and I okay, will say so like- what do you think of this? I think, well, it's not the first time Marvel's tried this. There was that, there was like the, the, the Marvel Tsunami line where- uh, they tried it, but they didn't bring in like traditional manga creators. They brought in like their own people. So like Peter David wrote a Punisher manga version of the character, and it, it was like a really weird Western version of manga art. And it, like the Marvel tsunami wave was a unmitigated mistake slash disaster, yeah. with a few uh, exceptions. One of which being Big Hero Six, which also, <laughs> by the way, was created by Chris Claremont. So still not created by a manga creator. Right. Uh, right. But that's the thing, is that the mistake was, we can do it better than you, or we can do it as good as you. And the trick is, like, no. Let they, them They do did a it. better attempt, and just they made real manga. It. And so I think that the, the trick is just getting those creators. Yeah, real, yeah, legitimate, actual there, There's the Spider-Man manga, actual manga. affecting it. So yeah. I think it's a good well, idea, and I think it's it, it doesn't hurt. A rising tide raises all ships, right? Like, the idea is, if a comic sells, a comic sells. All comics do well if we're all yeah. in the same boat. And so, like, if, if you're going to ape off of anything, it beats aping off TV or anything, or movies. Like, if you're just trying to ape off, of, like, the manga style, and by the way, 
you know, the development of manga books is in and of itself like kind of, it has its own issues and flaws. Like it, it, it's it's incredibly taxing on the creator. So yeah, know, oh yeah, yeah. But we're not doing that. When it's not like we're like, okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna hire manga people and they're just gonna start churning out comics. Like no, they're just making these these Asian inspired comics. And well, they, they both companies have tried traditional manga before. We got Batman Ninja. I think. Yeah, which was not the, bad. Uh, yeah. They, yeah, there's a Justice League manga right now rolling around. Yep. Um, there there you still have the Spidey manga. Um, you, there, I think there's a Wolverine one out there. I, there must be. Uh, I feel I, like there is. Like you just tell some story of him in Japan, and you got Wolverine manga. Um, makes sense. That's the most. That's the most sensible one to do. Yeah, um, but they've never done like what you said, where they bring traditional manga artists over and do it. Now, do we know for certain that they are manga artists, and we're not just doing the Marvel thing again, where it's like uh, people inspired are drawing yeah, anime inspired I, art? I can't say that with certainty that that's what they do. But I hope against hope it isn't because they did it already and it was a mistake. So yeah. I would think they learned from them. Plus, at their, the other thing that I know about is the books you, you, you mentioned are well received. So it's like right, right. that for me says, oh, maybe they're actually using these creators who you know, make the most sense. Um, so yeah, I, I think okay. it's great. I would love to see it go further. Like not just doing... Asian-inspired or Japanese-inspired Western comics, but rather, like, let's start doing that publishing thing they're doing, you know? Like, let's, let's what try... What Just, like, the way in which, like, they're printed and they're printed quick and there's, they're, 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 you get a lot for not too much money and, you know, just, just, a, just kind of, like, seeing if we can learn a little more from, on the publishing side, from the Asian markets. Because if they are selling globally better than we are, like, maybe we should be taking our P's and Q's from them a little bit. Well, I mean, we're talking about the comic book industry, which has not changed since, like, the 80s. I know. And it's like, <laughs> uh, we don't, not everything is still working the way it was in the 80s. Let's no, no. I mean, well, okay, yeah. So, I mean, I agree with you on this. I do like the books. Um, I think yeah. this is a nice test bed. I would have liked to have seen, just to kind of bridge the gap, some traditional Marvel superhero being done up in one of these manga-style comics. Just yeah. one of them who maybe bounces between the other books just to link in the new readers. Because I will say, when I first started gra grabbing these, I didn't know they were Marvel. Right. It says Marvel in the corner, but the, the fonts, the art, nothing said to me Marvel. I thought I was grabbing an indie book that looked interesting. Right. Um, so I feel like, I hate to say it because Spider-Man gets put in everything, but if we had like a manga Spider-Man bouncing well, they, around between they them. They did have one a while back. I think it was called like Spider-Clan or something like that. He's, he's a skin in the Spider-Man PS4 game, but... That there was a spider manga book and it was well received. It, what you're saying is not only a thing that they did a long time ago, like 15 years ago or whatever, but like it sold well and it resonated with the right. readers. It's a good idea. It's something they yeah. should keep doing. So you're on the right track. So anyway, moving on to our next topic, the topic of Gwenpool, uh, which is there is a pseudo argument that a lot of the not a pseudo there is an argument that a lot of Gwenpool fans are making against the new version of Gwenpool, uh, the Gwenpool Strikes Back book versus the Unstoppable Gwenpool. So Christopher Hasting, Hastings book versus Leah Williams, Leah Williams. I think it's I, Leah. Yeah, Leah. Leah. Williams okay. Um, and I, I, Comic Drake, one of our friends in the comic book community, made a very good video that surmised the argument. In that the way that that uh, Miss Williams is writing the book, I don't, I, I don't want to mispronounce her first name, but right, <laughs> fair enough. 
the way that she is writing the book is very much the uh, the exact opposite of the way Gwenpool portrayed herself in the previous series. Yes. The much beloved 20 to 25 issue series of Gwenpool has started her as being LOL funny memes to then developing her character to hating memes, hating Deadpool. Her version of fourth wall breaking was more realistically grounded because she had her knowledge from comic books. She just couldn't do things to a character that we all fell in love with who ended her book on a great send-off. Yeah. Marvel then handed off, and they're turning her into basically Deadpool. They're basically taking the last... Because, I mean, I read the original Gwenpool. 1 yeah. through 10, she was still LOL, ha-ha-ha, memes, I'm just Deadpool in a different costume. But it was about issue 10 to 11, I'd say. They flipped that on its head, and they started giving her a lot more character development, and they turned her into what everyone fell in love with. Yeah. Marvel well, seems to be wanting to be like, we want another Deadpool. Right. Well, or it's just, it, it's worse than that, and it's that they don't care, and that Lee Williams' interpretation of Gwenpool is this. She's like, oh, right. I got it. Yeah, I know what, the, what you're doing. Because, like, Chris Hastings, he did, like, Dr. McNinja. Like, he's a genuinely funny person who knows how right. to craft a joke and also tell you a story. So Gwenpool worked. Like, the first ten issues, while they were kind of, like, funny... They were well done, and Great yeah. Hero's art is incredible. So it's like there is there there was this perfect marriage of like funny and good, and then it became actually deeper too. Um, this book, I'm I'm with you on this title, by the way. Like I I read the first issue and I went like oh, and I remember we were I think we were both at least responding to criticism in the same way where we were like let's give it another issue and see where it's going because I think maybe it might be critiquing meme culture. Yes. Now I will say I see the complaints because now we're in issue three of a, I think it's a five issue mini. Yeah. Um, which basically means that we are halfway through and she's still doing LOL memes and messing with things. Yeah. Now Lee Williams did state in response to Comic Drake's video, if you watch it to the end, all of this will actually make sense because he right. said that she's literally become the LOL meme version of Deadpool that she made fun of and that she didn't like. Yeah. Um, and she says it's all going to come back around and make sense in the ending. I. I, I'm, I'm going to stick it out. I don't mind what she's doing. See, I'm looking at this from the point of view of the unstoppable Gwenpool is an impossible thing to follow up on. Right. It's, such, it's such a perfect completion of the story. Yeah. That, like you really can't follow up on it. It'd be like taking, you know, Star Wars episode one through six and stating, hey, let's make a seven. It just, regardless <laughs> of how much you like or dislike it, one through six was done. And was I feel over. like, yeah. yeah. And what I'm saying is about Gwenpool. Regardless of what we're doing with Gwenpool, that initial story is over. You really can't go further from that, in my opinion. Yeah, because, I mean, when we, when we saw her continuation in things like Champions and West Coast Avengers, it was kind of like, eh, like, it wasn't there. You know, it, it wasn't quite, I think, what the Williams series is, yeah. but it was still not what Hastings was doing. And it's like... You can't be too afraid of what other creators are going to do to that character because if it's owned by a company, you know, it, it would be like saying, I don't really like what this, like, John Romita and Jerry Conway are doing with the Spider-Man character. I've been reading him since he was created. And it's like, look, he's going to go through a lot of different versions. Like, it's going to Well, that's be, just it. But, like, but we are in this world where I remember when Gwen was created. I remember when th there was this excellent series she debuted in and... So far, every subsequent appearance has not been... It's been diminishing returns. Yeah. Well, the Gwenpool, like I said, her first series is so amazing. Her second thing put her in a team book where she just couldn't even do her powers properly. Yeah. She literally was the, the meme joke character of the book. And I don't, I don't even say, oh, Kelly Thompson wrote her poorly. You can't take a character that can just step out of everything and instantly fix problems and put her on a team and have her not do that. Like, you just right. have to make her into the joke character. 
Um, I mean, but but using what you said as your own example about the Spider-Man thing, Dan Slott's Spider-Man completely different from Nick Spencer's Spider-Man. True. And you can compare the two runs, but these it's his take on the character. And I'm taking Lee Williams' version. This is her take of the character. Just like Kelly yeah. Thompson, that was her take of the character. You know, we're not going right. to get the Christopher Hastings character unless he comes back and writes a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> like, episode seven would have felt like Star Wars if... Um, George Lucas, wow, I was drawing a blank on that one. George <laughs> Lucas came back and wrote seven. No matter who writes seven, if it's not George Lucas and that original team, it won't feel the same. And that is exactly what happened with Spider-Man, and that's exactly what's happening with Gwenpool. So while yeah. I understand the complaint that this isn't the character that we all fell in love with, it never will be. And until no. we get Christopher Acings to write the follow-up, we're going to have to look at different versions and decide if we like or dislike them. If we get Hastings back, the fact is, like, yeah. maybe he's just like, I did, I did it. I told what I wanted to tell, and so good luck. Like, just yeah. hopefully she goes in another direction that works, because I don't want to do it. I mean, we don't know if that's true, but the fact is, you gotta live your, you, you gotta treat your characters like that. You can't be like, he, hopefully the original creator will come back and make it better, because it's like... Oh, no, I agree. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just, I, I, it's the nature of serialized corporate comic books. This character is going to go through many versions and it's like, not all of them are going to be satisfying. It's just too bad that like, so far nothing has been as satisfying as the first series. I just feel like the problem with Gwenpool is she had such a good first series. Right. So it, it as a Gwenpool so fan, I, yeah, I'm entering into the, the, to the new book kind of like with hopeful, okay, we'll see where she goes with this. And if, if people forget, like the original appearances of Gwen were all LOL memes. Her hiding under Howard the Duck's desk, you mm -hmm. know, like... Her yeah. riding through yelling, you know, by Felicia. I, I wasn't against that version. And if Lee Williams just turns this into a Deadpool book, I like Deadpool. And Right. So, you yeah. Know, that's, maybe not, if, yeah. If we all buy this Gwenpool, she gets a longer run. She has five issues to pick up a character that was basically done. Right. And tell a new story and then wrap it. it like, so, basically what you're saying is, I think, if, if I may... It, we got to see what happens. If they get yeah. this ending right, the way that Williams suggests, then, you know, who knows what the next version of Gwenpool will be? Who knows how it will be received? Um, but we got to wait until then. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. Um, all right. So last book, comic book we're going to talk about today. So we said we'd get back to Hawks and Pox and the X-Men Orgy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Was Pox just a giant 30-page issue of Orgy? And by the way, Dan, what is your opinion on his, his Orgy opinion? I think it's really, really weird because it's just them having a party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right on the... I, I also think it was a party, but I'm just saying I was, I was more like reacting to... I saw a lot of chatter online about it being... They were like, oh my God, like... Are, it, it, it's right on the heels of Nightcrawl being like, we gotta make more mutants. And like, I agree. And then, like, you get right into this party and you got that scene of, like, Scott and Jean and Wolverine and Emma and everyone's looking at each other all suggestively and they're handing each other beers. And while I don't think it really is a straight-up orgy, I think it was, like, implied that there's going to be some, some heavy-duty partying going on in this story. Wolverine hands a beer to Gorgon, which... I don't think that means they're going to sleep together. I just think it's like mending fences. But you can't deny the suggestive looks that Emma and Jean are looking at each other. There's something there. Dan, can you deny the suggestive looks? The suggestive looks? Okay, I'll give you that a little bit. I'll give you that. <laughs> All but, right. Uh, uh, yeah. So how was it? How was the finale? Was it a giant orgy Fantastic. like I was predicting? 
Well, it gave you... There was no orgy. Like, they, I think if there was an orgy, it was over. Like, they, you know, everyone's done. But uh, as far as Pox wrapping up and setting up the Dawn of X, it, it was a crazy good conclusion. Um, it was a great setup of things to come. It's not, you know, I wouldn't... I would not read Hawks and Pox and be like, and now if you ever want to stop reading X-Men, you're good here. Like, I don't think you could resist it. Uh, but the retcons and the explanation of Moira and what she's been doing and how she's been doing it and what the sixth life of Moira Metagra is, which was revealed, um, there's a lot there. And you finally have like a clearer picture of like who the enemies are, who the players are, who's probably going to betray them, who might betray them, like where it's going to go, and, and, and maybe like more indications as to the riddles that are continuing, like the, the riddle of Professor Xavier. Why doesn't he show his face? What's going on here? Is Moira involved? Uh, what about the, the going off the reservation as far as Xavier and Magneto making choices outside of Moira's plan, revealing Moira's journal? Uh, the redacted portions. There's a lot there that's, that wraps up this series, but also sets up everything else. It's very Hickman. So if you like right. Hickman, you're, you're on board. But if you don't, you know, it's, I, I think it's a satisfyingly like, interesting story that really did a good job of, of working in tandem with not only each other, but also with the writer-artist combo. Okay, because I'm going to be catching up on it now that it's officially done. Right. I'm way behind in my comics this week, but I'm, I plan on sitting down, just binging House and Hawks and Pox, basically, so I can give you my opinion. I'll try to do it by next, uh, next week's episode, so we cool. can talk like my opinions from a yeah. not-super-X-Men fan. So right. I'm not either. Like I dig the X-Men, but I'm not the biggest X-Men fan. I'm more of a, like a street-level, you know, single superhero kind of fan. So I, I mean, I'm a fan of Morph! <laughs> Who isn't in the book, by the way? <laughs> did they bring Morph as a character? I believe they did. Like he's in comic continuity. I think Morph is in comics. He looks nothing like the animated series Morph. It's not the same. It's not the same. Hey guys, Sal and I got to talk to Heather Antos, editor over at Valiant, about the upcoming future of Valiant 2020. Uh, check it out. It's gonna be spliced in. Have fun with that one, Dylan. <laughs> hey everyone, it's Benny and Sal with Absolute Comics, brought to you by Valiant. This title's way too long, but you get it. We're here to talk about Valiant Comics and all of their new projects, and we're sitting with Heather Antos, who you may know from Gwenpool Star Wars, and is now working on the, uh, what is the official, what are you calling the 2020 Valiant Rot line? Hashtag Valiant 2020. Okay. Have you not seen our Twitter? I, no, I have, but he was saying that there's going to be some changes to the titling soon, so I'm like, I didn't want to say hashtag Valiant 2020 or Valiant Uprising, and then there'd be a new name. Uh, I'm, I'm calling it hashtag Valiant 2020. Nice. Okay. So. so we're talking hashtag Valiant 2020. So, uh, all these new characters, they're all right behind us. Quantum and Woody, Rai, Visitor, Bloodshot obviously has a movie coming up. Roku. Let's go ahead and start with the one that I think is probably the closest for you, Quantum and Woody. Yes. Because you brought over Christopher Hastings. I did. Yes. So lucky for us that we got Chris Hastings <laughs> doing Quantum and Woody. That's such an awesome idea. You're welcome. Thank you. No, it's... it's I love his writing and I love Quantum and Woody. Yeah. yeah. So once I saw that, I'm like, I'm sold. It, that's the end of this. No, it's funny. When, when, I, came, when I came to Valiant... Uh, and my first, my first uh, characters that I wanted to work with was Quantum and Woody, you know, having worked on Deadpool for my entire tenure at Marvel um, and, and Gwenpool, like those are the characters that I really felt like I got, I know who they are. I yeah. know how to do the story. I know who to cast. I know how to work on this. So Chris and I have actually been working on Quantum and Woody since 
February. No kidding. Oh, wow. Yes, we've been, <laughs> That's really yeah, cool. <laughs> like, so to finally be able to talk about it. <laughs> You're just in there all quiet, like ready to pop. You're like, I want to talk about this. Well, well, it's funny. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the fashion variants that I worked on with Livewire, but we had. No, actually, I didn't oh, see those. Yeah, so we did fashion variants of Livewire uh, where Chris Anka did an athleisure version and Kevin Wada did like a Vogue type where we actually had cover copy and on all of the cover copy are Easter eggs to a bunch of Valiant series that weren't announced yet at the time. Oh. <laughs> uh, so cool. go back and look. But uh, but there were some some tie-ins to Quantum and Woody, and Chris is just like, I can't retweet this. I can't right. I can't show because I haven't been announced yet. Yeah, yeah no. The it's, moment he retweets it, everyone's gonna everyone start putting the lines right. together. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I'm I'm so so excited to work with the Henderson boys. Um, I'm so excited to, you know, bring a little bit of that Deadpool and Gwenpool flavor yeah. um, that that we had um, over to this. You know, having David Nakayama on covers is just so much fun. Yep. Yeah. Ryan Brown, I've been a huge fan of ever since God Hates Astronauts. Uh, and I think he's a perfect, perfect fit for the crazy adventures. You know, it's a goat that shoots lasers out of its eyes. Like, I can't <laughs> believe Ryan didn't come up with that himself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So that, that was my first question when it comes to quantum. But Woody, are you going to bring back all the insanity? Uh, the goat and all the crazy things they do? Times 100. Okay, perfect. <laughs> the goat's what makes it. I remember a couple years oh ago gosh. at Valiant when Quantum and Woody had their last run, mm -hmm. they were doing these uh, these pins for Valiant. Yeah. And I just kept buying bags until I got the goat. Yeah. All I wanted was the goat. Well, it is the greatest <laughs> of all time. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's uh, a lot a lot of fun we're doing. Uh the Woody's got new superpowers. Quantum's got new superpowers. The goat might have new superpowers. Oh. Can you hint uh, at the goat superpowers? Uh, only that they're active all of the time. Okay. Well, narrow it down at all. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that. I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm picturing a flying goat, but I'm not going to get into a it. A flying goat now? Yeah. With laser eyes. Read the book and find out. Exactly. I can't wait. You yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really hyped about... Um, any of the number of series. I'm looking forward to Roku the most. Yes. Forish and miniseries. Yes. Uh, Kieran Gillen. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be really dope. Yeah. No, no. Uh, Colin Bunn. Colin yeah. Bunn. Colin Bunn, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Colin Bunn, I'm yes. sorry. I was thinking that too. I'm like, that's not the right person. No, I was thinking <laughs> of a different I was, yeah, I was like, Kieran, thing. I mean, Kieran I Gillen. love Kieran. That would be great. Man, yeah. No, but uh, no, yeah. yeah. Colin, Colin's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, another, another person I worked with a ton yeah. in my previous life. Uh, but Roku is, I mean, how badass, right? Yeah. Like, uh, she is the deadliest weapon. Yep. Not woman, weapon. Um, and, you know, when I see all the cool stuff that, that Colin and Ramon and, and Lisa and Editorial are doing with that series with, with um, this character and her history, you know, she's got a very complex history, yeah. right? Um, and uh, we're really going to challenge some of those internal... Uh, struggles that that she's had in the past, you know, bringing up some stuff with Angelina right. and and what that means for Roku's future and four issues, which is crazy because that's yeah. a lot. That's a lot in a very little space. Yeah, but, you, <laughs> but she's never had a series before, so we're no. making up for lost time. Yeah, we're making up for lost time. We're really trying to you know dig deep and develop this character and you know because uh, that's that's one of the fun things I love about Valiant is there's such a treasure trove of all of these characters that we don't really know that much about. Yes. You know, and we kind of dug into that a little bit this year. We saw with Punk Mambo, we saw mm -hmm. with Forgotten Queen, so getting that now with Roku. Yep. Um, and a couple other characters I oh. maybe can or cannot talk about yet. 
Well, um, the visitors, uh, another returning yes. character. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's there's a lot to look forward to in Valiant 2020, specifically Definitely. with this treasure trove yeah. um, that we had. It's really exciting. I, I, I remember Valiant from my younger years mm -hmm. and seeing it come into its own in such a really profound way now. Yeah. It's really nice to see. And yeah. it just, especially when you can you pick up a book now as an adult, read it and be like, this is for me. Like, yeah. this is a real book that's written for, for, you know, for that kind of sensibility. We grew up with you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's another slogan that can go right on the banner. <laughs> <laughs> so we mentioned it before this. Yes. And I just want to know if it's going to be true or not. Okay. Is the visitor going to take the helmet off and reveal that it is Gwenpool? Read it and find out. Gosh, I can't. I can't. I need give that spoiler right here. Away. Are we going to hold this segment out? You can say yes or no. We'll hold this until it's revealed. Yeah. Yes or no. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Rye. Yes. The new Rye. Heard of him. What do you got to say about Rye? Uh, he's great. Uh, uh, okay, moving on. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. No, Done. I, it's, Next. I think the way the way I I've been pitching this Rye series, right? It's it's futuristic fetal Japan meets Mad Max Furiosa. That's a sell. Uh, That's a good sell. Yeah. It's funny because when I was sitting over here and uh, Greg on your team was trying to explain to me what Rye is. Yeah. And I'm like, I've read Rye. Uh -huh. I know Rye. Yeah. Please explain him to me. Rye had the whole entire like yeah, yeah. fall to earth and it had a great story. Like Rye is such a unique character because. Like everyone can take a bloodshot and they can take Quantum and Woody. And you can take and you can kind of link them up to various other well-known characters, you know, without doing that on a Valiant interview. Right. Uh, <laughs> but Rai is the one of the few characters with Valiant that I've never been able to link up to anybody. No, for sure. Which yeah. is why I, I understand that he was explaining him to me because you look at bloodshot, like guns, right. got it. You yeah. know, but Rai completely different. Right. So how are you guys going to make Rai stand out, continue to stand out in this new run? with Mad Max and all these other things you're going to well, do. Well, I think it is, it's putting them in different environments, right? Like it's- I gave you the wordiest question ever without getting to the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it's putting them in different environments. I think, you know, that's how you truly learn who a character is and what their core values Absolutely. are. Um, it's it's what we've learned with, with other characters is, is and, and through ourselves, not to get too philosophical, but um, putting them in different challenging situations and making them decide like where they stand and what they want and, and actively have to make decisions and be responsible and accountable for those right. decisions um which right is you know like he was created to be this weapon and he was created to be this thing and now he's questioning that purpose and right now he's taking responsibility for his creator for, for lack of a you know a, a better term and right. um that's all of what this new Rye series is, is, is Rye kind of defining who Rye is on his own. Um, you know, we saw that a little bit, I think in Bloodshot Reborn, uh, yes. with, with Jeff Lemire. And I think we're really getting, um, you know, not to get ahead of myself or get ahead of the series, but I, but I feel like Dan Abnett is trying kind of doing the same thing with Rye in this new series. And it's, and it's really beautiful. And the art, oh my gosh, oh, like yeah. the art is just like, oh, it's beautiful. It's stunning. It yeah. is absolutely stunning. That's a core standard of Valiant that has been lately is a like top tier art. Yeah. In addition, of course, to top tier writing and of editing course. and whatnot. But, I'm very much know. an art person before the story. Yeah. Because it's a comic book. Right. I want the art. I can go read a book if I just want a only story. For sure. Yeah. So the Valiant's always really hooked me with the art because mm -hmm. the art always stands out. And that then I go in and read the story and discover like the characters. 
So yeah, Raya looks amazing. The visitor looks amazing. Quantum and Woody looks amazing. Bloodshot. Bloodshot. I'm looking at all looks the posters. Amazing. <laughs> Just like, well, make, I want to see who's behind us for the. These are the pillars of Valiant. No, so we're not yeah. like you know who looks great, Roku, but she's not here. So, but Roku does look great. Yeah, Roku looks <laughs> yeah. great. Roku. I was actually just looking at, at new pages for Roku in my office before I came here today, and, oh, cool. it, and it looks great. Psychokinetic hair. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have any last questions you want to ask that? We're running low on time. No, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm, what excites you the most about the future of Valiant? I think that it, there's still so much room to shape it. I like that answer. You know, like, Valiant, there, there's something so um, reputable about Marvel and DC having this 80 year legacy and, and having been around for such a long time. and. Um, you know, paying homage to the core of those characters. But with Valiant only being around for 30 years, like, which is huge and a big deal right. in and of itself, but there's still so much room to develop and dig with these characters in our treasure trove, like we've been discussing and really explore and expand and, and grow up with them in 2020, um, which I'm so excited to continue to do. We are too. I so. go. It's a great way to close this out. So go ahead and check out the Valiant stuff, guys. Uh, any one of the books we've named today. we got all kinds of new stuff coming out for Valiant 2020. Quantum and Woody, Rye, Visitor, Bloodshot, Roku. Those are the five I've been hearing over and over and over. So <laughs> That's enough. Else. Ain't that enough? Come on. Yeah, there you go. We need more Valiants. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us. And now we're going to come back to the rest of the normal show. All right. So uh, moving on to our next topic. Yes. So Kevin Feige's king of the world now. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 the announcements are getting to the point where it's like, I expect to hear that Kevin Feige is in charge of DC Comics in a few minutes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta think, first off, for those of you guys who aren't tracking, so Kevin Feige runs the MCU. And if you, I'm going to go back a little bit. He initially worked under Ike Perlmutter. I think it's Ike, uh, yeah, Ike for Marvel Comics. Yep. And that caused all kinds of problems to the point where Kevin Feige was going to leave. So Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, mm -hmm moved Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios out of Marvel Comics' umbrella yes. so that basically Ike Perlmutter would do the TV shows and the comics. Kevin Feige and his team would do the movies and all yes. that stuff, That's which right. has obviously been a smashing success. So now recently they announced that Kevin Feige was going to be doing some Star Wars stuff, I believe a movie or two. I think he gets at least a movie. At least a movie. And now they've just announced, uh, literally a couple hours before this episode went live, he's going to be the creative officer of Marvel. Yes. But he still are, won't report to Ike Perlmutter. No, if you if you are keeping up on your Marvel corporate history, uh, Joe Quesada famously occupied the role of chief creative officer uh, from his editor-in-chief position after he left that. Uh, now, Kevin Feige is chief creative, chief creative officer of Marvel. Uh, I believe But Joe he answers Quesada's, directly to two different people over at Disney. He doesn't... It's not Bob Iger. He doesn't go that high, but he has no, two it goes direct to, bosses. Yeah, it goes to Dan Buckley, and it goes to Perlmutter. Like, Perlmutter handles some... Like, he handles the publishing side. No, 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 but the, the, the way the chain works, I think they put Perlmutter and Feige on the same level. They are. So that yeah. he doesn't have to... And so, basically, Feige then goes to the Disney side of the house, while Perlmutter is the highest of the publishing side. I I I almost want to say that they're not that one isn't more high on the other, except for the fact that Feige has a better relationship with the parent company. So yeah. technically, I think Feige might actually have more power than Perlmutter. Uh, I do you think, think Perlmutter is going to finally retire? I really think so. I think that the only because in this kind of move, I feel like they may have like there's no reason for them not to have. Comp it, it looks like a deliberate edging out of everyone else 
except for the people who play ball. And it feels like it could have easily been a buyout, payoff, get him out of here. Yeah. And it, and if they didn't do that, when they clearly don't work together well, as we know they don't, then they must be anticipating his departure. See, and we were talking about this briefly, and I stopped this beforehand. You and yeah. I have notoriously stated that the market share of DC versus Marvel... Uh, it's, it's close a lot of times. Marvel edges out with more books sold. We have some annoying fans who'd like to send me sales numbers that I have muted so I don't see them anymore. Right. Uh, <laughs> what it boils down to, though, is regardless of who's doing better, Marvel should be the king. Like, and that's where our debate has always come in. Marvel, when winning against DC, normally edges by between like, what, I'd say one to like seven or 8%. Sometimes they have a really great month. Sometimes they have a really close month. Either way, when they are winning, it's never by like huge margins. Nope. And there's Batman that, always beats Marvel. Yeah. And always. so. If DC would just put Batman in every DC book, they'd win. Uh, I think they are <laughs> at this point. At this, well, the, the DC needs to completely re reevaluate everything, and I don't mean like because they're doing everything poorly, but I, I, I feel like if only Batman beats everything else, you're doing something wrong, right? Um, but Marvel, the the brand recognition, the character recognition, the cultural invasion. The Marvel Comics should be on every corner, every store. Like people yeah. should be tripping over themselves. Like it should be a a, a complete blowout in terms of sales because Marvel of the should recognition. be at like it should be like fifty percent. Like I mean, sales for the entire month should be like fifty to seventy percent Marvel, with like DC being twenty to twenty five. And like I mean, I'm a DC fanboy. I love right. my Marvel as well, but I'm a DC fanboy, and I'm sitting here telling you, Marvel should be winning. There's like without without close cutting nothing. There should be almost no, no contest. You know, until DC can get the EU working properly. Like <laughs> I hear what you're saying because I I. I because I know people are going to misinterpret what we're talking about. They're going to they're they're trying to say that like Marvel beats DC, Marvel's better than DC, Marvel should because by a virtue of it being Marvel, it should. The fact is, we're not saying that. We're talking about the fact that like I think it's dangerous for Marvel to be the number one publisher. I think it's I think it was a horrible idea when they first announced that Disney owned it. I was like, this is a this is a terrible idea and it's going to hurt comics. I think that now you're absolutely right. Marvel should dwarf the sales overall just by virtue of the money and the reach. Yeah. Just by virtue of its of its existence and popularity and the and the juggernaut behind it, it should be the number one publisher. I'm not saying that it deserves it. I'm saying that it like there's no right. there's no that's, reason. That's a great for it. that's a great differentiation right there. Yeah. We're not saying that Marvel deserves it, but there's no reason they shouldn't have it. It's it's inexplicable and someone should be fired. Like that's the kind of level of irresponsibility because it's not like dc is dwarfing marvel every time because D because dc puts out the best books you know and it's just like it's just quantity it's just quality over quantity and the cream always rises it's yeah. not that it's just that marvel is not being run properly if they are going to rest on the culturally popular uh, the cultural popularity of its library I mean, the fact is, you have Disney backing. Maybe, I don't care what your marketing budget is. I guarantee you, if you came out with a solid plan, mm -hmm. Disney's like, oh, we're going to make Marvel big again? Here you go. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ex that's exactly right. Uh, the fact that, like, I don't believe there has been a meeting. This isn't because I know trades or I, I, I pay attention to, like, you know, corporate espionage. I'm just saying out loud, I feel like if 
the people who ran Marvel as a publishing house ever had a meeting with Disney that said, we know how to, dom- to, to take up 75% of the market share. And yeah. here it is. Disney would give them the money to do it. One of our chatters basically said that currently Marvel's at 40% market share and DC's at 20. Uh, Marvel's definitely trumping DC this time, but it's not always been. There's a lot of times been a lot closer. But regardless of that, the point, the, yeah, the point we were making is that Marvel even dealt like 40's low. They should be like dwarfing everyone else is the point we're making. Yeah. You mean to tell me that Marvel's 40, DC is 20. And indies are the other 40? Yeah, that's what I mean. So indies take up the other 40 right now. This isn't an argument over Marvel being better than DC. They've been a lot closer before. Marvel's trumped them before. DC pulled ahead, I think, at Rebirth. And that was yep. that. <laughs> uh-huh. But New what I'm saying is... well, I think they did well Yeah, there. New 52 as well. They, did, they pulled ahead on there. Regardless of where they are right now, Marvel is tied for the entire indie market right now if oh those numbers are true. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. A, they should, there should be no one even close to them. They should be no. way over everyone is the point we're making. Yeah. They, we shouldn't be having a discussion. We shouldn't be like, wow, DC beat, beat them with Rebirth. That discussion should be, holy crap, DC beat the Marvel books with, that's what that discussion should be. Not yeah. like, oh, cool, check it out. They won. Let's see how long that goes. You know, like. Right. Like, well, well they'll, they'll, be, they'll be toppled in another couple of months. Like, yeah. And I would have told you, before Batman v Superman, I would have said, no freaking way. Because DC has the most popular, recognizable superheroes of all time. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. You're done. There's yeah. no way that they could beat that. But they can and have. With so, Iron Man and Captain America, like C-listers in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, like, D- like Disney is balking at the concept of buying Spider-Man wholesale from Sony because they don't need him. Yeah. What? <laughs> Spider-Man, is, Spider-Man is Marvel. Like, Spider-Man is what... Mar- if, you, if Marvel became a person, it would be Spider-Man. And they don't need him because they're making Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> and, and you mean to tell me that Guardians is not in the top 10. Like, right. And that, that's, that's outrageous. where our argument comes in. We're not verifying those numbers. If they are true right now, 40% Marvel, 20% right. DC, that means 40% of indie and other publishers. That's not good for Marvel. They should be like 60, 70. And like Sal said, we're not arguing that Oh, the quality's up there. I'm not even discussing who's got better books right now. No. We have that talk at the beginning of the show every week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about just the fact that they have that Disney workhorse in the MCU. Why are yeah. they 40%? Like, right. that doesn't Only make sense 40? to me. Yeah. Now, the thing so. that kills me is if DC's really a 20. That's like, oh my god. Oh. That might explain a few of the shakeups they've had recently, because I've that, been looking at the numbers in a while. That is not a shakeup. That's a table flip. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a okay, everyone out. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, if it's true. Now, bear in mind, we have no like we we don't know these meetings. We don't know what's happening. And this is all just personal opinion, all conjecture. Yeah, but yeah. So I don't I don't want people to think that like we're some marketing experts who know exactly. We don't know the inner workings. This is just no. the opinions of two guys that are like that think. Uh, in my opinion, the Kevin Feige move is because Mar a uh, Disney's finally like, all right, we bought this in two thousand nine. Movies are killing it. 
Yeah. We don't need anything to make the movies work anymore. We can put a guy that shrinks to an ant down and it sells. So. <laughs> right. See. We can get you, one of the most unlikable actresses and make her one of the most likable superheroes. Like. <laughs> right. No, I, I, I think. So you're, 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 you're basically thinking that. Uh, they, that they looked at Marvel and went, okay, what else did we buy with this? Right. There's a whole publishing house. Right. Books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think. See, I think it's something else. I think Feige loves Marvel, and he doesn't understand why the comics aren't selling the way they should be, and I think he just wants to do it. I think, because it went, I was, I was worried, and I know that everybody's been talking about this forever, where it's like, in Feige we trust, if Feige leaves, Marvel's screwed, blah, blah, blah. And I've always been like, the dude's going to get sick of it eventually. He's going to be tired of working on all these characters. He's going to be tired of this universe. He's going to be tired of like the future of this stuff because he's like he's been doing it nonstop. Like since before yeah. the MCU, he's been working on these characters. But then it occurred to me after this move that like no, he's working on these characters because he loves them so much because he yeah. likes this. Universe. Well, it's the exact reason why you and I do what we do on YouTube. I mean, right. A lot of people like to be like, "When are you going to burn out? When are you going to run out?" Benny, stop making so many videos. And the fact is, we do this because I love it. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not doing it for the out. check. The I check like is a great stuff. bonus. <laughs> oh yeah, no. Like if I wasn't paid for it, I wouldn't work as hard on it. But yeah, that's I still always been my argument. Yeah. you'd get and, one video a week from me, but that's it. <laughs> right, but I I think Feige just loves it so much that he's like, maybe I could help. Like, yeah. he. I mean, Kassad has been chief creative officer, I think, since 2004 or six, between that range, and uh, so or maybe 2008, uh, up to 2008. So let's say 10 years. But he's been chief creative officer for, two, for, for, for 10 years. Remember that Casada came out of Marvel Knights and he used his contacts in the film industry to help bolster some of his publishing line. He brought in Kevin Smith and Brian Michael Bendis and a bunch of other people who worked in the industry, uh, the film industry that is to say, to help infuse some new blood and some brand recognition into Marvel to get it into the comics publisher that it is known as today. And so maybe he was better suited for the chief creative officer position back in the day because he knows those contacts, he knows that universe, he knows how to work with Hollywood, but it's been 10 years and the books aren't selling better. Feige probably knows how to fix it. I mean, like yeah. at the very least, it couldn't do worse. So let's see what he does. Now, it, there are some, not scary, but more questionable elements where it's like, does Feige know the best creators in the industry? Does he trust the publishers like C.B. Sabolsky, Dan Buckley, and so forth to pick good comic book writers and artists to work on them? Is he just going to get, like, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of the guy who directed Ant-Man, but, like, like could, you know I what I mean? Write. Like, Peyton Manning? No, that's a... No, I'd agree it was the other one. Uh, but no, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. Because is, I actually... Is he going to get Hollywood people to start working on comics? Or is he going to actually, like, go into the comic book industry? Does he know the industry well enough to be able to positively make changes? Right. Or I mean, I, kinda, I like, think you're right about all yeah. of this. Because simply, <laughs> I find out quite a bit over at New York Comic Con from some of the creators, stuff like that. And one thing that, one thing that I wasn't even from the comic creators, just talking about people about the industry. And yeah. one thing that I really wasn't aware of, and I didn't ever really thought about. We all know that Ike Perlmutter is cheap. Beyond cheap. It's notorious yes. how cheap this guy is. That's right. Whenever a creator or an artist gets popular, their rates obviously go up. That's to. why your favorite creators don't traditionally stay at Marvel. Because they cycle them out to get somebody else in there. Yeah. Because they're cheaper. 
Like, and that makes total sense. While Kevin Feige is all about going, uh, Robert Downey Jr. wants $1 billion. We'll make that, whatever. <laughs> well, and because he knows, it's not just that he's like, I love Robert Downey Jr. I think he's a good actor and I think he'll elevate the, the material. It's like more people will go if Downey Jr. is in the movie. And so, yeah. but it also makes sense to fight for Robert Downey Jr. when like we're making Iron Man because he was the best person for the job. So I think Feige has a good bead on like quality control plus knowing what's going to sell. So him being like, okay, maybe we need to do this. That, and like, who knows? I mean, he's only going to be cre- chief creative officer. He's going to be, he's not handling the publishing line. No. He's working on it, but he's not going to go, he's not the guy, I don't think, yet, to be like, we're making too many books. Let's scale it down to 10. No, no, no. And it's going to be interesting to see what his actual influence is. Now, yeah. I, it's, it's going to be something. They wouldn't have announced this and put him up there if it wasn't going to be something. And if it wasn't going to happen soon. Yeah, so the question is, are we going to get Marvel now, Kevin Feige version? <laughs> I, I hope we get Marvel Knights Kevin Feige version, where it's like we get a huge infusion of quality and, you know, just kind of like getting rid of the stuff that doesn't really work that well. The problem is he's going to have to work in tandem with Perlmutter because he could have the best stuff, but we know he and Ike don't get along. And we know that Ike has a real weird resentment of Feige. Now, that resentment could have been padded with money with this new deal, and they just asked him to play ball more. We don't know, but I would not be surprised, based on his reputation, if Feige was like, we're going to do this, this, and this, and we got these guys. I got Quentin Tarantino to write a friggin' book. You know, like that kind of thing. And then Perlmutter goes, and we're going to put it on the cheapest paper. Yeah. Or like, we're going to only print like 25,000 copies. Real quick, uh, because our, our Twitch chat, because we do, do this live on twitch.tv slash comic story, yeah. they're saying that we never said specifically what the actual announcement was. The actual announcement that we're discussing oh, yeah. is that Kevin Feige is going to be the new creative officer at Marvel Comics, not the yeah. shows and movies, comics. Joe Casada is going to... They made it sound like a lateral move, but it sounds like he's going to be stepping down a rank, kind of basically. Totally. Um, he's the, yeah, and then a couple other people are shifting up. There's yeah. no actual announcement as to what the involvement's going to be other than he's taking the job of Marvel's chief creative officer. So yeah. if you hear any other rumors, uh, and they came out after this, maybe there was news, but the news that dropped two to three hours ago was that he is becoming the chief creative officer, and that's that. And apparently he's also going to be in charge of the cartoons. Well, that's because those technically, I think, I think, ooh, I didn't even think of this. That's why they're doing it. Because yeah. technically, Marvel Comics owns the TV arm. Well, you know who didn't come up in the announcement? Ike Perlmutter? <laughs> no, Ike Perlmutter did. That's what's so weird. Perlmutter came up and they were like, here's what he's going to do and here's his responsibilities. Jeff Loeb did not come up. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember because I read one article. I was like, yeah, they didn't even mention Jeff Loeb. They didn't even mention him. So maybe they phased out Loeb and they're like, no, Marvel TV is going to be Marvel Studios. You're not going to have what happened with the Defenders. By the way, I think some of the Defender shows were some of the best TV slash Marvel they com- were. concepts out there. But I, I would prefer to see everything under one umbrella, especially under the guide of someone who has an eye for quality and goes like, you know what? Like, we talk, we're, I don't know if we have time to talk about this, but like, kind of transitioning a little bit more, touching on it. What about Deadpool? Oh, well, what's going to happen to him in the movies or the comics? What are we well, that's what I'm saying. Like, in the comics and the movies, like, we'll, if, because they said when they, had, when they acquired Fox, they said out loud, you know, like, oh, no, you know, Deadpool works as an R-rated property. We're not going to screw with that. 
Sure. I don't believe well, you. Supposedly, and that's part of one of our topics, yeah. Ryan Reynolds has met with the MCU for potential Deadpool future. Right. I mean, this... The, I, Deadpool's in a weird spot. They had a, a comic that was finally picking up steam with Scotty Young, and they canceled yeah. it, and we have... No Deadpool. And we all were like, oh, he's going to fall in with Dawn of X and everything. He's not there. So where's Deadpool? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, am I wrong? Has Deadpool waned in popularity to the point where they don't even want him in comics anymore? Uh, our chat informed me that Kelly Thompson is writing the new Deadpool. I forgot about that announcement. That is right. She is going to be writing the new one. The, oh, that's the great. Dawn of X. But even with that happening, and I think she'll do a great job with him. Um, yeah. It's just, it's weird that Deadpool's just kind of gone absent so is Wolverine until now. Like, I get they're all lining yeah. up with the X-Books, but now what's going to happen with the show is in the movies, like you were saying. Right. And for me, it's like, what'll be a good indicator is like, will they let Deadpool be R-rated? Because if they let, because it's all kind of connected. If Deadpool gets to be R-rated and put out under a parent, co or an, under a subsidiary of Disney, right? It's not a, it's not a Disney picture. It's a, back in the day, it would have been uh, Touchstone. Miramax. Oh, Touchstone, uh, Touchstone or Miramax, but like either way, like like Deadpool the movie is a Miramax picture, and he's definitively Deadpool and also part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But we're just not going to have like Falcon show up. But Deadpool could show up in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie seamlessly, right? And he's PG thirteen in those. And really, like it's just a question of whether of, of what mood Wade is in. Based on, you know, if you're, if you're just trying to, like, Deadpool is not all just dick and fart jokes. Like, there, no. uh, he also could censor himself without it seeming odd or out of place. So, you know, I, I, I read a rumor recently that, like, the Disney executives were like, I don't know what to do with Deadpool. And it's like, you make the movies R-rated, you make the, appear the, the, the appearances PG-13 rated. Why is this so hard? <laughs> Like, you can even I make a joke it. about it where he pops in and he's like, oh, I'm in a PG-13 movie. Better turn it down a little. <laughs> Literally, like, just just bleep Deadpool in the movie. I think that'd be funny. I think that would work. Um, not in the Dead Deadpool movie and the Deadpool appearance movie. But the reason why I mention it is because if they fix slash figure out the Deadpool problem in the movies, then we know that Feige will have a good influence over the comics because the comics should be able to do anything. The comics, they should be able to smoke, drink, sleep with each other, and it's not a problem. Or have an orgy. Or have an orgy, so, <laughs> or, or an implied orgy. But, uh, but, but that would be a good indication as to like where Marvel's going. Because I know a lot of people are worried, like, what if you know, Al Ewing's got this great Hulk plan, and then Feige goes, that's pretty great, but I really want him to be more like Mark Ruffalo. Like, that, that is a <laughs> At that's the a end of a moral scenario. Hulk, he just turns into the Professor Hulk they did in the movie. Yeah, we like, came and I to terms, really and now we're arm. working together. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see that happening, but I also, only because Feige's carried some good favor with us as, a, as an audience, so I hope he knows but uh, right, I will right. also say, here's another interesting aspect of the, of the Marvel Feige thing. When Feige took Marvel Studios to Hollywood and severed the comic arm from its connection and influence over Marvel Studios, with it also went the Marvel Brain Trust and the creators and, work, and, and, and artists who worked on the comics who also had an influence over the movies. Bendis helped doctor Marvel scripts before the, the 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 split, and famously, that might have been one of the reasons why Bendis left Marvel Comics at all, is because he had no future there outside of being a really influential writer. 
Yeah. If that's true, will Feige's absorption of Marvel Comics hurt comics because he doesn't seem to regard them? You know, because he did he mm. he did away with the Marvel brain trust. You know what I mean? Like, does that mean that he doesn't trust Marvel Comics creators to do Marvel Comics? I hope that's not true. Like, I hope that's just just rampant speculation. But yeah, it's something to think about. It's just something to. to I, I brought it up because it's like, don't forget, he didn't just give us Iron Man. He also took away comics' direct influence over the movies. Yeah, no, so. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's going to be interesting. Kevin Feige has yet to, yet to fail us, but I almost feel like it's like <laughs> yeah. a king on the throne right now. Like, he's, right. Kevin Feige is the almighty. When he finally bombs at something, he's going to fall off that throne, and, and then everyone's going to start picking apart all of his little mistakes. Or worse, you know? worse yet, what if he gets up by a bus tomorrow? Like, oh, who is no, Feige's no, successor? No, 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 hold on. people who help You're knock on make wood. We don't, we don't, no. <laughs> we don't do that. What is wrong with you, Sal? What if he gets hit by a bus? You don't even knock on wood. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, please. But <laughs> uh, All right. Well, let's go to uh, a couple of... Uh, we have three more. They were a lot faster topics. I don't think we have much too much to say about these. Sure, sure. Um, Catwoman has been cast in the new Batman. It's going to be she's Zoe great. Kravitz. Yeah, she's a great actress. I think she'll do a good job. I'm down. Yeah, I'm on board as long as she can do the role properly. Uh, I mean, Zoe K- uh, Kravitz is not a bad actress at all. Nope. Um, I do find it interesting. Apparently, she got turned down for the Dark Knight role because she was too urban. <laughs> you, were, you mentioned that to me earlier. I was like, oh, that's a weird thing to say. But also, great, because now we get her in this. We had the uh, Anne Hathaway Catwoman. <laughs> So I don't know if the term, I, I, okay, so a, a lot of people know that I started doing the YouTube di- biz by being more behind the scenes with YouTube. I, I started at MCN, I yeah. worked at an MCN, I did a lot of stuff over there, and I was there part of the creative department. Whenever somebody wanted to state African American or black culture, yep. it was always the word urban. That yeah. was always the, we need to make a more urban channel. And I'd always be yeah. like, are you like passively being racist like what are are you doing here the answer is yes uh that's the term like (laughs) so like as soon as the news report came out that dark knight rises or yeah it was rises right when when Catwoman was in there that Uh she was in consideration but considered too urban the only thing i heard in my head was you're saying she was too black for the role of Catwoman. that's That's exactly what they're saying yeah that's what we're saying Uh, I personally, and I know it's going to come up with the, with the, the, they're changing it over obviously from a very white character to a, a, she's not, I wouldn't say like, she's a black character. She's a black actress. Right. Um, they're doing the change. Uh, I know it's going to come up. People are going to ask my opinions on it. I'm not against it. If she can no. do the job of Catwoman, we're fine. That's all yeah. I care about. Be Catwoman. Don't try to spin it into something weird. No. Yeah. Ju- don't. Yeah. Just, just stick to the material. You know, yeah. she looks, she, she has like, when she has the short hair, she looks like Darwin Cook's version of Catwoman, which yeah, she does. is white, but still like the, in terms of like hairstyle and, and, and the look, like just, she's got that, she's got a good Selena Kyle look. I think she'll do fine. And yeah. I've seen her in movies and TV shows. She does it. Like she does a good job. So she, no she's a good actress fair. and that's really all that matters. And that was always my argument whenever they would try to do more diverse roles, they yeah. wouldn't go with someone who can act. I mean, Zoe Kravitz can act. This is going right. to be good. Preferably. Now it's coming down to Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson. Like they got to all work together, but it's, <laughs> we'll yeah, it's see. all got to work we'll together. But I think yeah. it will. I, I dig. I dig this this movie. I don't know anything about it except that Jonah Hill's going to be in it. But I'm down. Like, <laughs> 
I still want to know. I'm still voting Bane. I loved. I took the tweet out. I'm like, he's pre. He's Bane pre Venom, and I, I did it as a joke, and everyone's like, uh, many. Uh, are you serious? I'm like, right. Sure, we'll no. go with that. Yeah, if he's Bane, I win this. <laughs> right. Yeah, you win the pool. <laughs> I win the pool. Uh, okay, so next big quick kind of news. I don't know what we can really say about this, but Dan found it for us. Uh, comic sure. sales in Russia have increased after their cultural minister, Vladimir Medinsky, called the readers pathetic. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the, I mean, like, here's the thing. If you live in, like, that kind of culture, like, you're dealing with counterculture immediately. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm glad. I mean, like... What does he know? Screw you. Comics are for right. everybody. Like, eat it. But also, I find great. it funny that their culture and minister is like, comics are pathetic. Yeah, that makes sense that their cultural administrator, somebody who has their finger on the pulse of what the culture is in their, in their, in their <laughs> really, really free and diverse com- uh, government. But um, <laughs> Sure, we'll go with that for Russia. <laughs> right, exactly. But no, I think, I, I think it's great because... It, because you know, he didn't say like people who read comics will be shot in the street. So it's like instead of him saying that, instead of him saying that, it said it, it said something innocuous, like it's pathetic. Like you're cracking Dan up with that comment, by the way. <laughs> oh right. Well, because you know, he, he, yeah. What do you know, Vlad? Uh, <laughs> the fact is Why like can you just call it out the Russian culture minister. Well, what does he know? Like, well, clearly the guy doesn't do his job properly if he thinks comics are pathetic. Like, right, right. Know. I get what but, you're uh, saying. It's just hilarious the way you're doing it. Like, right. what do you well, know, because, Vlad? You know, he's not coming on the show. I'm not worried about that. I'm not, I'm uh, not going to Moscow anytime soon. So, Shocking information. That. Dan booked Vladimir uh, Medinsky to join us for the show next week. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to debating him. <laughs> I feel like I'll beat him. Because uh, between the two of us, one of us has actually read comics. So, oh! <laughs> but uh, no, I'm, I, I love it. I'm, I, I love the, the idea of comics being like this underground counterculture concept. That like people right. are reading to be defiant. I hope they get a lot of vertigo over there because that'll be that'll be the way to do it. Right. No, that'd be really good. All right. Yeah. Last piece, and you actually know more about this than I do. When I ran over the the topics with you ahead of time, um, Venom's director says that he expects Spider Man to appear. Now, I took that for, for verbatim what it said. Venom's right. director expects Spider Man to appear. What did you have about that? Because you told me a little oh. more information on that one. Well, it's it's the director of the first Venom movie who is no longer on Venom. So like, movies only matter when they're being made like and i don't mean that generally it's more like he knows about what they were doing when they made the venom movie he really doesn't know anything about what they're going to do five years from now or on the venom franchise particularly because he's not directing the next venom movie so as far as he knows spider-man was intended to be in a venom movie in the future clearly we knew that because that was sony's plan from the get-go they were we coming from, out saying it like, "Oh, Andy Sony. Pascal was like, oh, he's in the he's in the MCU." Like that was and in Kevin the, Feige would be like, eh, uh, "Well, we'll see how it goes." Uh, but like, yeah, I, I would not be surprised. And uh, but at the same time, we don't know what the future holds for any of these things. Uh, but I would not be surprised in the least if their plan was like, by Venom Three, Spider Man's going to be in these movies. Um, I think that's absolutely Sony's call. I don't think the director of Venom knows more than what they were, what he was told when they were working on this movie. Like he was right. probably told, like, "Hey, leave some room." Like, "Hey, we're gonna shoot the scene." Like, if if everything works out, you know. But otherwise, he doesn't know what they're gonna do in Venom Three. 
you know. All right, we're going to wrap up this episode of Absolute Comics. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, we are going to be doing a post show where you can stick around and ask us questions. So if you like this show you and you're watching it on the YouTube or the Patreon or whatever, stick around and come join us live. You can hang around and ask us some questions. Uh, don't forget to hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what we were right, what we were wrong about. We do care about these kinds of things. Let us know in the comments down below. And uh, also, I wanted to pick your brain live right here. Uh, many of you know that uh, we are running Absolute Comics, Comics Explained, the comic book review show, all these different shows that we do. And Dan and I discussed possibly what? Comics Explained? Oh, yeah, we run Comics Explained now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't tell you guys that? Yeah, Rob gave it to me. Yeah, he bought it. <laughs> we, we did a Disney takeover. <laughs> it was a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> comics Experiment. And, uh, yeah, so basically, Comics Experiment, um, Absolute Comics, the comic book review show, the CTV show. Dan and I have discussed possibly starting to upload all of these to the Comic Storian uh, podcast channel, which is where the weekly poll is right now. If this is something you'd be interested in, let us know down below. That would give you guys about four to five videos a week of podcasting uploading over there. Of course, everything will still go early access to our Patreons, so keep that in mind. Patreon.com slash Comic Storian if you want to support my side of the show. Patreon.com slash Comic Pop if you want to support his side of the show. And don't forget, you can subscribe right here at Twitch to support the show directly or buy one of the Absolute Comics shirts. They're up there now, Sal. They're up there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you better your uniform now to show up is always in our shirt. Oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it on a polo for you. It's good. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, there we go. Well, I'll keep one in the office. I'll just throw it on before I go. <laughs> I do that with some of our shirts. I got I got our shirts here to wear, but at the same time, like I'll sometimes just be in like dumpy, like oversized shirt that's like three X and I'm wearing it around the house and it's got ninety holes. And then I'm like, well, this will look bad on camera. Work yeah. shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, guys, thank you so much for, the show, for joining us on the live show. Hope you guys enjoyed. Let me know in the comments down below about any of the topics, what you thought in general, how much you hate me, how much you hate Sal. It's perfectly fine. We still we'll don't care. <laughs> and we'll see you next time right here at Absolute Comics. <laughs>